You're listening to Digital Health Today, episode 26. It's really about understanding what the specific challenges and barriers are, acknowledging that they are, there are lots, and really understanding what your route to market is in different uh, healthcare systems. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. This episode is brought to you by Bear Grants for Apps. Bear Grants for Apps invites you to submit your innovative healthcare projects. Selective startups will receive funding, office space, and mentorship by top Bear professionals. Apply online at grants4apps.com. That's grants, the number four apps.com. But hurry, applications close on May 31st, 2017. All right, all right, all right. Innovators, leaders, change makers, welcome back. This is Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders working to make the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 26. We are trucking along into the summer months. Graduation ceremonies are in full swing in the U.S. Tourists are beginning to appear in Europe, and I hope you have a summer vacation scheduled so you can get away and recharge your batteries. As the years go by, I realize more and more how those breaks away from work really are important, not just for the obvious reasons of connecting with family and friends and sharing experiences, pursuing your interests and hobbies, but I continue to be surprised at how those times away from work really do make me more productive, creative, and focused when I come back. I hope it has the same effect on you. Hey, listen, thanks so much for everyone who's been getting in touch about what we're building here. I've been overwhelmed with the messages I've received on about every platform, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, WhatsApp, SMS, voicemail, email, you name it. I've been getting messages all over the place. I appreciate you tuning in and supporting this program and being a part of this growing digital health community. I'm continuing to find more ways to grow this platform to add more value to health innovators and leaders everywhere. And it's really great to hear from you about ideas and suggestions on how we can do just that. Some of the ideas that have come from these conversations include things like a whole new section of the website that's going up with more written content that's contributed by the listeners, by the audience. It's going to focus on some of the technologies and research that I'm sure you're going to find interesting. As we talked about last week, we also have an online digital health innovation program coming up soon. It's called the Digital Health Jumpstart. It's another idea that came out of conversations that I've had with you guys, the listeners and the members of the digital health community. So that program is coming up and you can find out more about it by clicking on the links on the website or just going straight to the URL digitalhealthjumpstart.com. I'm really working to make that program a knockout with me and other instructors coming together online over the course of several weeks to work with a select group of innovators that want to accelerate their work in digital health. I look forward to sharing more with you there, so be sure to register your interest by going to digitalhealthjumpstart.com. We're also looking into things like a mentorship program or a match program to pair up some of the listeners with startups that are part of the community. And look, there's even more. I'm loving this. I really enjoy producing this content, growing this community, and serving you through diving into the work, the research, and the stories of people who are working to improve healthcare. I didn't know that this little passion project of starting a podcast would resonate like it has. So I I can't say enough how grateful I am for your support, your participation, and your ideas on how we can continue to grow. If you'd like to get involved as a guest, as a sponsor, as a contributor to the website, as a mentor, or as a member of the upcoming Digital Health Jumpstart, then please visit us on the website. We have various links on there that you can use to contact me. There's a chat bot. There's a contact page. You can even use email at dan at digitalhealthtoday or hit me up on Twitter at healthtechdan. Don't be a stranger. Please do get in touch. 
I'm excited to bring you today's guest. On this show, we've spoken to entrepreneurs that are serving the needs in developed markets. We've spoken to entrepreneurs who are creating solutions for developing markets, like those in Sub-Saharan Africa. But we've not spoken to startups that are doing both simultaneously. But today, we're changing that as we talk to Kate Newhouse. She's the CEO of Doctor Care Anywhere. That's a UK-based company that's developing digital healthcare services to users in the UK and in Kenya. Kate studied history at University of Oxford before starting a consulting career that focused on digital transformation and eventually led her to healthcare. On this podcast, we dive into the telemedicine industry, the start of Doctor Care Anywhere, and we discuss the strategy that's helped their company succeed in growing a technology platform when neither of the two co-founders nor their first employee had a technical background. We talk about how they got funded, how they won their first customers, who they got as their first customers, and how they decided to expand to a very different market by launching their solution in Kenya. As always, all the show notes are available online. Just go over to digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 26, that's the number 26, and get all the links we discuss here. Now let's tune into the conversation with the CEO of Doctor Care Anywhere, Kate Newhouse. Kate, thanks very much for joining me on the program. Thank you. Very good to be here. Kate, I've given the listeners a little bit of background about your experience. Can you fill in some of the gaps and tell me a little bit more about what you've done to get you where you are today? Yes, indeed. So, I, well, I read history at university, so not necessarily the, the obvious start to then run a digital healthcare company. But after that, I worked in local government and health consulting. And I was particularly looking at how you modernize the way people access and receive services rather than you know your traditional post or walking into a hospital or a local government office. So how do you design services that better matches the way that we live and work today? So having consulted for over 10 years uh, with a variety of companies, uh, I also set up consulting teams within uh, other organizations. So there's a little bit of entrepreneurial side to doing that. So understanding how you create a bit of a brand, how you create a market and how you go to market. I then decided I really wanted to be part of a doing organization. So rather than just advising uh, other organizations to improve, I wanted to actually be part of that improvement. So I um, looked around at other medium growing businesses to see how I could uh, contribute to that. So I worked with a tutoring organization and looked at their business development opportunities, particularly in digital transformation. And I also worked with a health tech startup looking at a new way of commissioning healthcare. And from that, uh, and building a network through those periods of work, I uh, found Dot Care Anywhere, which was in it very much its first six months of concept. And two medical student friends um, had come up 10 years later with the uh, idea that actually there must be a better way of accessing and receiving primary healthcare in the way that we move around and live and work today. So I thought this is exactly the type of organisation that I wanted to be a part of and grow and build. So I joined as the first non-medic to really think about how we brought this, this product to market. Can you describe for me what the actual services that Dr. Care Anywhere provides? Yes, so Dr. Care Anywhere is a digital healthcare company that provides access to UK trained GPs 24-7 through video and phone, 365 days a year. We also deliver other elements of that service. So getting prescription medication to you wherever you are in the world, uh, referrals on secondary care, fit notes, all of that information, including your consultation notes, all sit on your Doctor Care Anywhere profile, accessible to you 24-7. You can download as PDF records and send them to whoever you'd like. We also have a sort of digital healthcare management tool, such as our health tracking facility 
and our medication reminder facility, all helping you to take better care of your own health and your family's health wherever you are in the world at whatever time of day. Do you consider yourself a telemedicine company, telehealth company? Do you draw any lines between the two terms? I think there's people get very caught up with the different terms that are used. I think telemedicine in the way that we interpret it is around delivering uh, medical services, but remotely, so not having to be in person. Telemedicine is the more traditional term. So telemedicine has been around a very long time, particularly, say, in the oil and gas industries where you couldn't get professionals out on the oil rigs or uh, in very remote places like Australia, where actually there's swathes of um, landscape that it's very difficult to access. So um, telemedicine is not a new term. It's a very uh, traditional term, but was particularly thought of in terms of professional to professional. So a doctor within a clinical environment, then talking to another doctor that might be in a a less clinical environment. So with fewer tools, fewer amenities around them. Whereas I think what's happened in the last 10 years is looking at how can you use that telemedicine in a consumer environment. So we use much more the term digital healthcare, which kind of captures all. So I would say telemedicine is very much a clinician to consumer or clinician to clinician. Telehealth is looking at predominantly devices that can be used remotely where maybe a clinician on the other side of that device, so whether that be a blood pressure monitor or a panic alarm, would then respond to that in a different way. So um, I think, as I said, people get a bit caught up in all the different terms, but I think it's around what can you do yourself as the consumer using devices or technology to access medical care in a different way. Now, your organization actually was founded by doctors. So you mentioned that you were the Indeed, first yeah. non-clinical yeah. Uh, professional hired on board the, the team there. So your organization started with a very clinical level of expertise. Doctors are very well trained and they go through a very rigorous program, but building and starting and scaling technology startups is not a core part of their training. How did they get off the ground? So they had a connection um, themselves and they were friends from medical school. And they then went off and did two relatively different paths. But Farzad, who is also our medical director and still a NHS GP partner up in North London, he uh, always had a bit, a bit of a, an entrepreneurial side to uh, his medical career. So he went to run urgent care centres in the late 2009-2010, which again is a relatively new mo- mo- modality of care in the, in, in the way of dealing with access. But also, he's also well aware of his different makeup of his population in North London and was and saw that there was an increasing need for access outside of his normal consulting hours and got together with Beiju, who after training as a psychiatrist, also went into consulting and private equity. So he worked at McKinsey and in the healthcare practice. They, they met and realized that with the technology that other sectors were taking advantage of, surely we could take that and deploy that within, within healthcare. And actually, we trialed the uh, beta product of Dr. Care Anywhere within, within the NHS and within Farzab Surgery. So they are two entrepreneurial doctors that really are not, are not happy with the status quo. They're always looking to improve and always looking to uh, improve on patient care. So then when you take that model of, of, of digital healthcare, it's they're constantly seeing not just the doctor-patient relationship, but what is also, what can we do around that? What else can we do within that primary care setting? So we are now looking at also how we bring on psychotherapists, nutritionists, physiotherapists. 
within that platform, but taking the core principles of clinical quality, data security, uh, and that relationship with the with the patient to really boost that that primary care healthcare setting within the digital framework, and that those areas are they're, they're not the sort of necessarily sort of sexy areas of of cutting edge healthcare technology, but they're really critical and they're the ones that really change people's lives. I've had the opportunity over the past few decades to work in and with a lot of startups and many I see get some initial feedback or they think they've spotted a gap in the market and they immediately go out and spend months and lots of money building out a functional system. And then they ultimately find that they can't sell it or they can't sell it at the price that's economically viable. How did your founders go about validating the opportunity and getting their first customer? When I came along, um, we had a strategy where we were looking at both the NHS, but also within the uh, corporate world. They have both used their networks within within both those uh, arenas to look at exactly, as you say, actually, you can spend a lot of time and money creating the best product, build it and they will come is, is, is not correct. And the better way to look at it is actually how do you make that sustainable business? Beju in particular had, had used his business network and secured two corporates at the same time as we got CQC registration in May 2014. And with that initial traction and those initial champions, that's really where we then we then motored. So we looked at that as that is our market to go for. What often happens is that you think there's there's so much that you can do within digital healthcare and there's so many different customers that you can that you can look to to target, but actually you have to be you have to remain focused and you have to be sustainable. So we then very much focused on that B2B market. So we secured another champion client with a universal music group, a very uh, young population who are traveling a lot and they really became our kind of champions within the corporate world and uh, talked about how it really helps getting those user stories and circulating those within within the sector that you're trying to uh, target so those user stories of actually how it's changed their life then enabled us to get our first really significant contract which was with AXA PPP the UK's second largest private medical insurance provider together we uh, did a, an 18 month pilot with them and I'm really pleased to say we've just secured our uh, another three-year deal with AXA PPP where we've worked with them to understand how our product goes alongside their private medical insurance product and together with them gone out to the corporate market and really shown the value within the employee and their dependents um, uh, in terms of reducing presenteeism, reducing absenteeism and really creating a, an environment of, of, of health and well-being within the, within the corporate world. Well, congratulations on that contract with AXA PPP. I know they are real leaders across Europe. Did I understand that the first client was the NHS? So we trialed it within the NHS through Farzad surgery, yes. You trialed it within the NHS? Because I was, I was trying to find out if you actually had sold to the NHS first, because often that is something I will try to guide startups away from, because they will often just get completely caught up in that cycle with a lot of promises and, and extended evaluations without really the opportunity to monetize. So that was exactly my stance at the beginning, having um, consulted within healthcare and faced a lot of NHS organisations. In order to ensure that we had a sustainable business quickly, we needed to secure business where commissioning cycles were not two years plus. And also, understandably, the NHS needs an evidence-based provision. They are relatively risk-averse. But in, in, the, in the world of fast-paced startups, when you're trying to establish a new modality of care and prove it and prove its worth, then those lead times are, are, are too long. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I have a high regard for the NHS. They provide a valuable service. But as you were saying, in terms of scale and speed, uh, it's it's not exactly known for those sorts of characteristics. Now, that being said, there are obviously a lot of programs in place that they've developed over the years and even just recently with accelerators and uh, incubators to try to accelerate and utilize some of these new technologies and even a new tariff that's coming in place to to try to engage some of these new services and new opportunities. There's multiple obstacles and challenges to getting this applied in the healthcare sector. And some of it's technological. Some of it is change management and people driven. Uh, A lot of it also comes down to financing. So can you talk about some of those challenges that you've had to address or that you see existing in the marketplace on a global level? Absolutely. And I think it differs um, across different markets. And so you have to be aware of the different challenges and barriers that exist and really understand those and then combat them one by one. So, for example, in the UK, um, that's very different. There are very different challenges and barriers, for example, where we're working in, in Kenya. So in the UK, obviously, there is a significantly incumbent in the NHS and a healthcare system that we are all as, as residents and citizens are very proud of. That said, it then uh, means that given that it's such a, a dominant force within the healthcare system, it is difficult to do innovative and disruptive technologies and applications within that. So, for example, in the UK, we very much have looked in terms of the route to market to look from a, a business to business to consumer approach. So we are identifying where the pain points are and the needs are, particularly within that sector. So if you look in the employee market, we are often away from our normal healthcare environment. We don't necessarily work in the same village as we as we live. So we are doing long commutes. We are juggling and um, lots of different responsibilities. Older parents that we're having to look after or parents-in-law. We have young children. And so you, you, we are increasingly aware of that squeeze middle who are working all hours and are very often away from their healthcare environment. So to enable their employers to be able to cover that by rolling out a service such as ours as an employee benefit, then you're really uh, solving those pain points, not only for the, the employees and their families, but also for the employer who wants to be able to deliver that sort of healthcare and wellness environment so that their employees can thrive. Similarly, if you're looking at a product like travel insurance, where people are competing to get their travel insurance product in front of the consumer by providing a value added product such as Dr. Care Anywhere, where you can get access to a UK trained GP wherever you are in the world when you're on holiday with your family or you're traveling for work. Again, really understanding what is the pain point that um, other organizations are trying to solve and how does our service align with what with their service and their product. So that's where we've chosen our route to market within the UK, acknowledging the challenges and barriers that exist there. But when you look outside of the UK, and for example, um, in, in Kenya, where we are working uh, with healthcare insurers within Kenya, it's much more of what I was talking about before, which is actually the the infrastructure issues that exist. So the traffic issues of being able to get to a healthcare clinic. But on the other hand, having that connectivity and um, devices at a price point that is affordable to deliver healthcare on a mass scale. So looking at actually how do you take the learnings and the service like ours and transport that and transplant that into a healthcare system such as Kenya's, where we take our know-how and our experience of creating a community of doctors here in the UK and do the same thing of creating those that community of doctors within, within Kenya, um, using local doctors for local people, but taking our technology and our know-how 
in terms of data security, in terms of creating that community of doctors and transplant it there. So it's really about understanding what the specific challenges and barriers are, acknowledging that they are, there are lots and really understanding what your route to market is in different uh, healthcare systems. We'll get right back to our discussion in just a moment, but first I wanted to tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Bayer Grants for Apps. One of the things I love about Bayer is that they're really forward thinkers. They're thinking of ways to innovate their business and the industry, and they're not just saying that, they're actually investing and working to do it. How do I mean that? Well, this program is a perfect example. This is the fifth round of the Bayer Grants for Apps program, and the goal is to support innovative healthcare startups and developer teams all around the globe. Selected startups receive funding, office space, and mentorship by top Bayer professionals. Now that sounds great, but here's something even better. Applications for the Grants for Apps Accelerator program are now open. Grants for Apps invites you to submit your innovative healthcare projects. What are they looking for? A whole range of things, and they have a full list on the Grants for Apps website. They're looking for solutions that address patient compliance, prevention, healthy habits, patient empowerment, motivation, clinical trials, predictive behavior, and the list goes on. Basically, they're looking for software, hardware, technologies, or processes that can be applied to particular areas contributing to improved health outcomes or pharmaceutical processes. Sound like a fit? Applications are now open, but don't delay. The deadline to apply is May 31st, 2017. Get full details on their website at grantsforapps.com. And even if you're not interested in the Grants for Apps Accelerator, you should still go online and check out their new Dealmaker program. That's for more mature teams, startups, and companies, and it's all about creating quality face time between you and Bear experts for one full day. You can learn more about both programs on their website, and you can even apply for both at the same time. Just visit grantsforapps.com or click on the link in the show notes. Now let's jump back to the conversation. Let's talk about the beginning of the, the organization. So obviously capital is a real concern when people do look at, at trying to scale businesses or trying to, to start businesses. You mentioned the two founders, while they both have clinical uh, expertise and training, and one of them had a particular uh, business side focus, they're not developers. Uh, and it takes money to, to hire developers and bring them on board. Let's uh, tell me a little bit about how you got started in terms of capital, and also building teams. So we built capital initially through angel investment, individuals and consortia who were particularly interested in digital health. So that really got us off the ground. And you're right that the uh, significant investment in that initial phase and actually continues to be so is in the technology platform and is in those, both those expertise and the, uh, the infrastructure itself. So that is a really core component of the investment strategy as, as you move through. The, the second phase was uh, we were actually acquired by uh, Synergix Health, who are our um, we're wholly owned by Synergix Health. And they were a fund that um, was put together with exactly that in mind in that often within the health tech world, you either have incredibly passionate clinicians that uh, lack that kind of commercial or, or technical capability or, or nous, or you have the commercial and technology without then the clinical um, capability. And their, their aim was to find organizations in which to invest where they could facilitate that and bring those two things together. So the recognition that we needed to have that investment in, in technology was, was there from the beginning. We initially did it through an outsource company um, with a partnership. And that's actually one of the first things that we brought in-house. It's so integral to the growth of the company that you, you, you need to have that, that learning and that kind of that lean and agile working within, within the environment. So in order to get the, the funding to enable you to do that, I think is really critical. 
and particularly we recognise that with across the three of us, the, the, the key capability that was missing was that sort of technology uh, now. So recognising that and, 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 and facing that early on was, is, is critical. I'm curious, how did you then decide to take this product that you've been selling to corporates in the UK and then decide, oh, let's look at an opportunity in Kenya and try to develop a business over there? How did that transition happen and, and why are you engaged in that market? The recognition that the service that we deliver is delivered digitally and therefore can be delivered with, you know, across borders and um, doesn't have to be constrained by uh, sort of physical barriers. Uh, means that we were always intending to become a global business and share the the expertise and the and the know-how that we built up across different healthcare systems. So our our work in Kenya is actually again founded from a very clinical basis. Um, one of our our doctors is also um, Kenyan based, and he is our medical director out there and has uh, helped us establish our business there. So a bit of fortuitousness and also recognition that there's that clinical network across the world, but also acknowledgement that actually there is a real need there and a potential for disruptive and innovative technology as we have developed. So the opportunity there is to take our technology, our platform, our know-how, our learning of building that doctor community and being able to deliver that in other healthcare systems, um, and namely Kenya in the first instance. So um, we are looking to use local doctors for local people, but using our platform and our technology and our capability and our know-how and our infrastructure and and sort of pick it up and, and, and build it there. We also are a global business in that we serve our UK residents globally using our UK business. So that is also transferred when we're looking at travel insurance or international private medical insurance of UK expats across the world. So we have sort of two strands of our global business, one of which is using our, our UK business to serve our predominantly English speaking and UK um, residents when they're traveling or living around the world. And secondly, using our, our know-how and our base to then develop local instances um, across the world. I'm a huge advocate for spreading healthcare expertise around the world, and I know there's a, a massive underserved population. So I was just curious, though, if we should look for more international expansion, if Africa is high on the list, if Sub-Saharan Africa in particular, or uh, other underserved markets around the world. That's where we're going to start. There are other uh, areas that we're looking to move into. It's it's a, a case of, sort of prioritization and particularly where we have uh, existing partners that we can work with. So we are certainly not of the opinion that we can we can go go anywhere and do it all by ourselves and um, turn up and say, hey, do it our way. So we are, are keen that we we move and grow um, with places that where we identify a need, where we have existing partnerships and we can grow those partnerships in a productive and sustainable manner. Uh, what are some of the other goals that you have over the, say, next 18 months? Where do you see the business going and evolving? I think within our product suite, we are looking to develop and expand that. So our core service currently is the um, access to the UK trained GPs together with our health tracking application, our medication reminders, our prescription management. But we're looking to extend that. So develop our health tracking application 
its integration with our existing service, expand what we mean by primary care. So looking outside of just uh, GP professionals, but again, I think I mentioned before, looking to bring mental health onto the platform. So psychotherapists and counsellors, that's the first phase. Second phase is looking at nutrition, so uh, access to dietitians. And then also other elements of physical health, so physiotherapists. So really looking at those areas within primary care that are difficult to access currently, particularly in the UK. They're a particular point of need and they translate very well into a digital transfer of consulting. So, for example, psychotherapy over video and phone is as effective as, uh, as in person. So really thinking about what really suits that, that modality of care. And then secondly is actually enhancing our end-to-end patient environment on the platform. So we're looking to do GP-ordered diagnostics, so going to go and have your blood test or your uh, your MRI scan, and then having that directly back uploaded onto Dr Care Anywhere. So being able to do more within the Dr Care Anywhere space. And we're also looking to develop a digital healthcare assessment, where again, that would um, provide a sort of line in the sand of what your healthcare is right now, enabling the doctors and the other um, clinical professionals that we have on the platform to act on that information and really give you a, um, a benchmark at which to keep going back to with your ongoing relationship with Dr Care Anyway to continually improve your health and start to become a bit more proactive and preventative in your, in your attitude to your own healthcare. Well, Kate, it sounds like an exciting project. You seem to have a huge amount in the pipeline. I look forward to continuing to hear about your developments, and I wish you continued commercial success. Kate, as we wrap up our time together, I have a few questions that I'd like to ask every guest. Do you have a few more minutes for me? I can indeed. What advice do you have for other innovators who are working to make a difference in health? You need determination and passion. What's a favorite quote or saying that motivates you? Be the best that you can be. What book do you recommend to our listeners and why? I've just read The Underground Railroad, which is a difficult read, but really shows perspective on what people have to deal with across the world at different times and always to hold that dear to you that we are not far away from um, the shockers of history and you need to stand up and be counted. What technology tool or app would you recommend and why? Besides Dr. Care Anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have a number. I couldn't be without my City Mapper app or my new Withings watch and healthcare app that goes with it. If I gave you $5 million to invest in healthcare today, where would you invest it? Digital technologies in emerging healthcare environments. So, sub-Saharan Africa. Any particular companies or any technologies have your interest there? Oh, it's going to sound bad, but I think in terms of the uh, the Doctor Care Anywhere capabilities within uh, emerging healthcare markets, so bringing the patient close to the doctor using the mobile connectivity that we have. Last thing is, we're going to be making a financial donation to a charity of your choice. What charity have you chosen, and can you tell me a little bit about what they do? My charity of choice is uh, the Women's Trust. So um, I was a board advisor a couple of years ago or on the governing body and they provide uh, free to the uh, the point of access counseling to victims of domestic violence it is not a um, very well spoken about subject it is not dinner party conversation but it is a real issue that faces so many um, uh, women today so one in four people uh, women in, in the uk will be affected by domestic violence at some point in their lifetime and it is a a tragedy um, of our of, of current modern lifestyle that we, we need to just stamp out. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you for nominating them and for your service there. I know it is a huge problem and we're a big proponent of women's rights here at Digital Health Today and happy to support that. We'll have a link to that charity in the show notes. There are a lot of people who've listened to this interview and they'd like to follow your progress. How can people stay in touch and and see what it is that you guys are working on? So our website is www.doctorcareanywhere, spelled as it sounds, .com. And our Twitter handle is at drdrcareanywhere. And my own is at Kate F for Freddie, S for Sugar, Newhouse. So just get in touch. So I'm very happy to talk to either budding entrepreneurs or, or, or people who are interested in the digital healthcare space. So we'll make sure we have those uh, links there. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners before we let you go? No, just thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk about something I'm very passionate about today. Well, there you have it. That was Kate Newhouse, CEO of Doctor Care Anywhere, UK, Kenya. I wonder what market they'll take on next. Get all the show notes of our conversation at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 26. And while you're there, please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast. And I'd love it if you left a review on iTunes. Thanks to our sponsor, Bayer Grants for Apps. Don't forget to apply for their accelerator by May 31st. You can find information at grantsforapps.com forward slash Berlin. We have more great guests coming up, including Yuval Moore, the CEO of Beyond Verbal, who's going to tell us what our voice gives away about our emotions and health. We also have Michelle Longmire, CEO and founder of Medible, who's going to share with us how her business has pivoted and expanded, and Jennifer Landon from Dot Health, which is a brand new domain extension that will be available very soon. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at HealthTechDan and follow the show at DHealthToday. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of the digital health community. That's all for me for now. Until next time, keep on innovating.